Welcome to Training for Godliness, the podcast program of Spiritual Fitness Ministries of Greenwood, South Carolina. I'm your host, Chaplain Gray. This series of episodes is titled, A Special Strength. And we'll be taking a look at the first responders and those who work to protect and to serve their communities. It's a calling to work these stressful jobs. I'm talking about those who work in the Emergency Communications Center, those we sometimes call the dispatchers. I'm talking about the men and women of the emergency medical services, the fire and rescue personnel, the highway patrol, detention center officers, city police and county sheriff's departments. There are DNR officers, campus police. The list can go on. We know they are pushed to the limit and that they have to deal with all sorts of emotional and spiritual stress. In this series, we will talk about how first responders handle this stress and how we as a community can support these everyday heroes. If you are a part of the first responder community, we welcome you to join us each week. When you are at 100%, our community is safer. We want to support you and encourage you. We want to strengthen you. Let's listen in to this week's conversation with my special guest. If I'm going to talk about first responders, it makes sense that I would talk to someone I admire and deeply respect who has been in the trenches. And that is just what we have today with my guest. George Irwin worked in law enforcement for many years. He served in various positions in Henderson County, actually working right up through the ranks to eventually being elected sheriff. I know you will enjoy my chat with my good friend, former sheriff of Henderson County, North Carolina, George Irwin. Okay, so my guest today on our uh, podcast is George Irwin. So glad that he's joined with us today. He's maintained uh, his interest in uh, law enforcement uh, in several ways, even since retiring as sheriff a number of years ago. So, George, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's an honor and a privilege, Gray. Glad to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, George, uh, and uh, how you what, – what got you into law enforcement? Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I'll give you the kind of the short version. Uh, coming out of high school, I had a, a, a appointment to the U.S. Naval Academy, uh, by our congressman at that time, which was Roy Taylor. This was in 1970 when I was graduating high school. And right. I was a 17-year-old and really didn't want to go into the military at that time. Vietnam was still going strong, and a couple guys I'd played ball with in high school were killed in Nam. And uh, and I just you know decided that's not what I wanted to do. But my interest always laid in law enforcement. And while mm-hmm. in high school, I got involved in a sheriff's race, and that just really piqued my interest even more. And uh, where, where I was working when I come out of high school, because I told my dad I didn't want to go to college at that time, uh, they told me I got a letter from the recruiter for the Air Force, and they said, we'll give you off 
with pay if you'll go talk to them. And I said, well, I don't have to join, right? And they said, no, just show us that you talked to them. So I went and talked uh-huh. to the Air Force recruiter in Asheville, where I was born and raised, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Uh, told him I, what I was interested in. And I ended up joining the Air Force right then and there on a guaranteed job as a law enforcement specialist. <laughs> so that kicked off my uh, my law enforcement career while I was in the Air Force. And then uh, okay. when I got out of the Air Force in 1975, uh, I'd been a criminal investigator in the Air Force for a number of years. Okay. Wow. That's great. Well, then, uh, then you became associated with the sheriff's office in, in Hendersonville there. So that's and stayed, stayed with them for many years, really going up through the ranks. So, uh, that's, that's great. Well, super, super. Well, look, George, I, you know, I really, I have a heart, uh, for, uh, first responders and, and talking not only about law enforcement, but our emergency medical service people, our, um, you know, our police and, and, uh, uh, ambulance, the dispatchers. Sometimes people forget about our dispatchers, the emergency communication folks, um, detention center. Lots again, a lot of people don't think about those. Uh, so I really, I really have a heart for them. I, I know all of those folks really see some horrible things, um, and, and some difficult situations. So as, as those that are brothers and sisters in Christ, how do they, how do they deal with, with some of these tragic and, and brokenness that they see on a almost, I mean, a, not every, I guess a daily basis? Well, uh, number one, I mean, and it, it, it comes down to philosophies. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, leadership uh, is the action you take, not the position you hold. And I always felt like that my responsibility, whether I was, you know, a patrol deputy or I, I, I started in dispatch. Then I became a patrol mm-hmm. deputy, then a detective, then chief detective, then sheriff. And I always mm-hmm. felt in every mm-hmm. role I was in, I could show leadership just by the position, uh, but through my actions, not necessarily mm-hmm. the title I held, but through my actions. And uh-huh. so to me, it's incumbent upon uh, others in the career field uh, to encourage uh, and mentor others. And the okay. one thing that I always tried to impress on, on staff when I was the sheriff is that you have three priorities. Number one, your faith should come first, then Mm -hmm. your family, then your job. If you put your faith first and then your family, and those two are hitting on all cylinders, your job is Uh going to be a piece of cake. And and so it it comes down to priorities. But, you know, having said that, what I found, uh, one of my objectives was when I became sheriff, we, we, we had a jail ministry program for inmates, and we had a high school education mm-hmm. program in the, in the detention center and, and everything else, and let them have church services in the in the uh, facility down there in the detention uh-huh. center. But but I felt like that we needed to uh, address the faith needs of our staff, and so we had a very aggressive uh, chaplains program. I think we had five or six chaplains that worked through our victim services unit with our victim mm-hmm. services director. And, and what we found interesting was is that when the chaplains would ride with uh, the deputies, the deputies would share things with the chaplain they would not share with their family, would not share with their supervisor, would not share with their fellow officers, or even share with their own pastor. But they would mm-hmm. share it with that chaplain that was riding with them. And, mm-hmm. and I thought mm-hmm. that was that was important uh, aspect that uh, – that we needed to have within our organization. And a number of our chaplains ended up uh, going through uh, basic law enforcement training, became certified Mm -hmm. officers, 
and ended up coming to work at the sheriff's office. How about that? Um, you know, so, but, but to me, that's the key. Your faith has got to come first. It has to come first. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. number one priority. Okay. Wow. Wow. No, would, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I'd, we'd all like to say that all of our staffs are believers, but, uh, but some, some obviously are not. Um, so, so for some of those folks, how would they handle, you know, uh, the, the brokenness that they see in the, the uh the ugliness and the evil side of people what what would they do um to to handle that well what you have to do is uh, we had what we called a uh, critical incident stress debriefing so mm-hmm. anytime that we had uh an hor- horrific event uh we had critical incident stress debriefing team and they were highly trained sure. and we would have everybody that was involved in that incident for example your 911 telecommunicators that took the calls, uh, the paramedics mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. responded, any firefighters that were first responders there, any other law enforcement agency that responded, and we would sit down and, and with with these, and they're they're like peer counselors, and they help right. to talk through these things, to work mm-hmm. through these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was blessed that my staff, we had a pretty large staff, but uh, the vast majority of my staff that I'm aware of were believers. Uh, you okay. know, they were believers okay. that Jesus Christ is the, is the Son of God and died on the cross for my sins and your sins and the sins of all mankind. And the only way mm-hmm. to the Father mm-hmm. is through the Son. And so, right. you know, I was blessed that, that mine felt that way, the vast majority of mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they mm-hmm. knew that I was that way, that I was a strong believer. Right. And, and right. there again, you have to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think that's critical. That's, uh, you know, uh, you, what's the old saying? I can't hear what you say because your actions speak so loudly. <laughs> yep. You know, and, uh, so that, that, that says a lot. That says a lot. Well, um, you know, I, I, I'm a proponent, uh, you know, Paul tells Timothy that, you know, uh, physical training is good, but training in godliness has, you know, daily benefits now as well as, eternal benefits beyond so you know and i think about you know how do people stay strong in the faith you know that's got to be a challenge though for for first responders to keep up with spiritual disciplines um so how how would how would officers and, and those first responders how do you how do you keep up with some spiritual disciplines so that you can stay strong in the faith well number one we're humans and we all fall short of glory of God, every one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can all fall by the wayside. And and I've seen it happen in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, law enforcement mm-hmm. is a very stressful uh, career field. There's a high rate of divorce, a uh, high rate of alcoholism. And believe it or not, there is also uh, domestic violence that is involved in law enforcement families. And a lot mm-hmm. of that has mm-hmm. to do with the... Uh, um, Violence and the things that pervade our society that they see and deal with on a daily basis. Uh, right. You know, and so, so, the, you know, the thing is, you, you, your, your responsibility is to one another. And when you have a mm-hmm. team of officers that work together on 12 hour shifts, they're off together, they work together, and we believe in the team concept. So in other mm-hmm. words, if, if we had a patrol squad that worked the 12 hour shift, we made sure that the same telecommunicators work the same shift. So they're always working together, that same group of people. Right. 
and right. we convinced the paramedics to do the same thing so that our officers mm. had the same telecommunicators, 911 dispatchers, the same paramedics, all working the same shift. And it even mm-hmm. worked mm-hmm. out that the police department, the Hendersonville Police Department, uh, and, and the other departments had the same thing. So you've got, you've got this big support group out there, not only within our organization, but other organizations to kind of be there and help one another and, and talk to one another mm-hmm. and, uh, and share challenges that you face. And, and with every challenge in our life, we have an opportunity. Every challenge you have mm-hmm. an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that opportunity is to find the solution. And, sure. and that solution, the number one solution is your faith in God. If you turn to God, he will take the burdens off of you. And, and you know, our plans in life may not, and no, most of the time, do not coincide with his plans are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. His plan is the ultimate plan. And mm-hmm. and it's like I, I, I tell everybody, and even in, in church, I'm chair of deacons at our church, and I do the youth uh, moment in our church services. Mm-hmm. And to me, we have the ultimate GPS. It's not a garment. It's not the what's in your new Tahoe or your new pickup truck. It's it's not a Tom Tom, but it's the Word of God, and I call that God's right. positioning system. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the Bible is G, the GPS for life. That's God's positioning right. system, and if you'll just mm-hmm. turn to that, all the answers are there. Mm-hmm. The answers mm-hmm. are there. The roadmap to life is there. Yeah, but, yeah. but like all of us, it's like traveling down the road. If if Kathy and I are going on a trip, and I'm not. I'm arguing with with the GPS in the car, and I'm thinking I need to go this way, and the GPS ain't going that way. And I get off on the road, a wrong road. Well, guess what? The GPS is going to get me back on the right road, and it's the same right. way with God's right. word. We'll take the wrong mm-hmm. turn in life sometimes, and God's word, if we'll just listen to it and read it and study it, will get us back on the right track. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's. Uh, you know, uh, so true. The, the, with the chaplain's presence, I know one organization I'm, I'm doing some training with, George, they, their mission statement reads something like, you know, we're going to build relationships so that we will receive an invitation to talk about, you know, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and so I think that's, that's really, uh, really important. Uh, you know, and you, you said it right there is, you know, that support team, when they're working together and they, they, they got that same group of people that they're, you know, they see each other on patrol. They, they, they stop and back each other up. So they, they have a moment, you know, there at a scene, uh, to, to talk to each other and to, and to back each other up and to, and to hold each other up a little bit. So, um, so those those are real important things. I I, I agree 100 percent with that. That's um that's super. I, you you touched on a little bit, George, about um, some of the unhealthy responses to stress. Um, and, and that being the domestic violence, I hadn't thought about that, but I, that that's very true. I mean, divorce and addiction. Um, I mean, suicide rates. We're we're losing more. I guess more law enforcement people to suicide than, than, than most people realize. Um, so there, there are unhealthy consequences to, to the way people respond to this, isn't there? There, there are. I mean, it's just like, you know, with our young men and women coming back from combat, they're pulling five, mm-hmm. six, seven, sometimes eight tours 
uh, in Afghanistan or Iraq after, you know, 16, 17, 18 years of, of, of fighting overseas. And a lot right, of folks forget right. that uh, first responders, not only law enforcement, but they can also suffer PTSD, post-traumatic stress mm-hmm, disorder, mm-hmm. Uh, by, right. the, by the things and the challenges that, that they face on a daily basis. You know, and, right. and I think you touched on it earlier. To me, the, the one of the toughest jobs uh, in a law enforcement agency are the 911 uh, dispatchers. Yeah, that yeah. That is a tough job. And uh, another tough job, and like you, you touched on, was the detention center. The detention mm-hmm. center, an officer goes out here, and they make an arrest on somebody, and they might have had to get in a tussle with them and bring them in. Mm-hmm. Well, after they've got them into the detention center, they're through with them. They don't see them again until they go to court. But the detention right. officers are down there with them 12 hours a day on their shifts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're dealing with those people. But the fortunate thing is they're in a confined area, in a confined space, and so they can right. limit right. You know, certain things. And sure. uh, and so, sure. you know, but, but there are so many challenges. And the sad thing today is, I mean, when I retired as sheriff, I became the executive director for the North Carolina Chiefs of Police for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after 40 years in this business, you know, I mm-hmm. think I've kind of like to think I've seen it all, but right. I haven't seen it all. After what we've sure. seen this past year and the things going on in this oh. country, I thought I'd I seen it all. I hadn't. Uh, right. And right. and here you got law enforcement, uh, Asheville Police Department, 42 resignations or retirements leaving. Uh, New York mm-hmm. City Police Department, the, you know, uh, I think the last count that I had, I think it was like 3,000 officers had left New York City uh, Police Department already. And whew. so people, young people are leaving this career field and, mm-hmm. and you're losing good people. Uh, and right. they don't think that the community backs them up. And, and it's, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. the community. Their communities all in all support them, but it's a lack right. of leadership by those mm-hmm. who are in elected positions to govern the governing bodies of those cities and not supporting law right. enforcement. You know, and you're right. talking about defunding law enforcement. That's demoralizing to law enforcement. So not only are they sure. dealing with the issues out here every day, then, then they're second guessing, uh, anything they might do. And my concerns mm-hmm. have been that if they second guess, that could cause a life of, loss of life to themselves their fellow officers are innocent civilian out here just because they sure. hesitated. That hesitation right, right. to act. Right. So, mm-hmm. so there, there's a, a lot going on here, uh, that, that they have to deal with. And, right. you know, and I right. always like to think of Matthew 5 9. And mm-hmm. in Matthew 5 mm-hmm. 9, it tells us that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall right. be called the sons of God. Mm-hmm. And, and I, mm-hmm. I just always try to tell our, our officers, listen, you know, the Bible, you are a peacemaker out here. Right. Our job right. as law enforcement is really not to respond to you after you're a victim. That's not mm-hmm. our job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our job is to mm-hmm. try to keep you from becoming a victim. Right. Now, right. sadly, we cannot do that in every case, but that's our job, to be proactive mm-hmm. rather than reactive. But right. we live in a reactionary society. And when sure. you have the evil and the violence that pervades our society today, we are going to become reactionary. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. And all of those things, George, probably make it very difficult to recruit new new talent. <laughs> it, I mean, it you know. is. And I, I mean, here's what's so interesting. 
uh, I've been trying to counsel some young officers that were leaving Asheville Police Department. And mm-hmm. one of them said, you know, he said, I'm, I left because I just couldn't do it anymore. They, they weren't backing us. We didn't, we knew the city council right. wasn't backing us. Uh, our command staff was afraid to back us. So we were afraid mm-hmm. to do anything. And mm-hmm. leaving a good paying job, but still loved the career field and going to a job that paid less money in law enforcement. Right. And many, many were just completely getting out of the, out of the career field. And it's sad because sure. what, what the public doesn't realize when, you, if you lose 42 officers out of your organization, experienced officers, and 18 of those mm-hmm. were command personnel, sergeants above. Yeah. Yeah. The years yeah. of experience, the knowledge, the training, the cost to replace them is insurmountable. Oh, yeah. Right. I right. mean, it's insurmountable, the, the cost. And, sure. and, and, and folks that want to say defund police, so they, they mm-hmm. are beating down. They're, they're, they've been beaten down. Uh, but right, the good thing right. is, is that I have noticed communities across this country standing up and, uh, responding. I know in Henderson County, of course, you know, you lived here. Henderson County mm-hmm. loves their law enforcement officers. They have Absolutely. always supported law enforcement. Uh, mm-hmm. always. And they still do. And, right. I mean, we just recently lost a deputy, the first deputy we've ever had killed in line of duty. Uh, De- right. Detective Ryan Hendricks killed in line of duty. Our, it was amazing how our community turned out. It was absolutely mm-hmm. amazing and still turning out to support right. his two small children. Uh, and right. then Greenville County, Greenville County just lost a, a sergeant mm-hmm. down there that was hit That's by right. a, a car. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, these things impact officers. And, and when you go home and, and you, you love the job you're doing, but your family is scared to death and they're worried for you and they're seeing how that you're being put down all the time. And in the way that sometimes the media is portraying you and they're thinking, you know, why are you still doing this? And and the vast majority of people that get into public safety have a servant's heart, have a servant's heart. They're like the Good Samaritan. They want to Mm -hmm. stop alongside the trail and help somebody. Right. Now, are those that get in it for other reasons? Yes. But the vast majority have a servant's heart, and they want to be like mm-hmm. the Good Samaritan that stop to help somebody. Be sure and listen in next week for the second half of my conversation with my friend and former sheriff of Henderson County, North Carolina, George Irwin. Thank you once again for joining us today on Training for Godliness, the podcast program of Spiritual Fitness Ministries. Please tune in next week as we continue our series titled A Special Strength. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you can easily find us. Remember, His steadfast love endures forever. Until next time, this is Chaplain Gray.